0: Well, hello, my name is Steve and I'm one of the pastors here at Grace and uh, you know, I just love January, not the cold, not the snow, but I just love the month of January because January to me is a time of of new beginnings. It's that new year, you know, the old is kind of gone, the new is there and just you can start over in a lot of ways. And, and I've, I've thought this for a long time. In fact, I think of it when I think about students, school. I think of a new semester. You know what it's like to to be going uh, to that uh, winter semester. You know, it's brand new. You're going to meet new people. You're going to take new subjects. You're going to just have new experiences. Hopefully, you're going to do studying a a little bit different than maybe you did the last time, which means, you know, you didn't wait till the last minute, and and you caught up with everything, and you didn't have to do, you're hoping you don't have to do any of those all-night study sessions. You know, I just love the idea of semesters and starting over. And I love meeting college students. I think it is fantastic when a college student comes to Grace and, and, and you, you get to know their name and, and I love to ask them their major and where they're from. And then I like to ask another question. Are you a student by nature or are you a socialite by nature? And usually they look at me and they laugh and they know exactly what I mean. Are they that person who just can't wait for classes to start? to leave the classroom and go directly to the library to study, to write the paper, to turn it in, only so you can do it all over again. Student by nature. Or are they a person who loves people and you know they study un- enough to learn a few things so they can continue in school, but they really are socialized, they really love it. And I was more the second than the first. And I had to work hard in school, but I loved the semester idea, starting over, and we would do that in January. Another reason I love January is because 47 years ago, as a senior in high school, it was January 7th, and it was that day that I prayed the prayer that Pastor Mike talked about last week, about inviting Jesus Christ into your life. I became a Christian 47 years ago in January. And it was just an amazing thing because everything was new. I I realized that I had a new relationship with God, that I was forgiven, that I was understanding uh, grace and mercy and forgiveness. And now everything was new. In fact, I have to say I had a new mindset. And if I want to keep with the uh, the student uh, metaphor, there was a new course of study, a new topic, a new major. And that new major was God. God. Learning about God, learning about God—what, who He is, what He's done, what makes Him happy, what makes Him cry, um, hopes that He has for for people, uh, what He was willing to do—send His Son Jesus so that we could experience forgiveness—and and just everything there is to being a Christian. There was just this this new study, and then there was a new teacher. Okay, so I had a new major and now a new teacher and the new teacher was the Holy Spirit. He was the new lead teacher. In fact, in John chapter 14 verse 26 it says, but the advocate, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my in my name, will teach you all things and will remind you of everything I have said to you. Jesus was preparing his disciples, his followers, that he would be leaving. And he's like, it's okay, there's going to be a new teacher. And it's the Holy Spirit. He brings out, he reveals the truth of scripture. He illuminates it. And so we have a new lead teacher. But we also have a new curriculum, the Bible. It's a, it's a curriculum that tells us about God and how we are to act in, as a result of who God is and what he has for us. It's an amazing book that, that we need to take in. The New Living Bible version says this. 2 Timothy 2 uh, 316, excuse me, 2 Timothy 316. All scripture is inspired by God and is useful to teach us what is true and to make us realize what is wrong in our lives. It corrects us as uh, it corrects us when we are wrong and it teaches us what is right. I love that. God is wanting to teach us not only about him, but because of who he is, how are we to respond? Well, there's new teachers and instructors, people that God purposely placed in our lives. And in in Ephesians chapter 4, 11 and 12, it says this. So God himself gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors and teachers. Why? To equip his people for works of service so that the body of Christ may be built up. God brings people into our world, pastors and teachers who can tell us more about scripture and and help us understand it, and and there's shepherds helping us learn, and this is all new. But there's another tool in God's toolbox, and that is you. You see, you and I, we're like classmates. We're like the, the new people that you get to meet And we are here, especially if we've had an encounter with Christ, we are here to learn about God. We are here to learn about what he would want us to do. And we are also here to encourage one another to learn those things and to live those things. You are a big part of this. And you and I are part of God's plan of encouraging people and building them up. You are part of that. You know, when I first went to a meeting or a church, okay, a group of people meeting together to learn about God, I knew nothing. I knew absolutely nothing. I went into a place where they sang songs I hadn't heard before. Um, They talked about things I had never seen before procedurally. And then the pastor got up there and he said, turn to such and such a, a book in the Bible. And I had my Bible with me. It was a big one but I had no idea what was in it, and I had that deer-in-the-headlight look, And, and there had to be a person who saw me with that look on my face because about a minute went by and somebody came up and tapped me on the shoulder and handed me their Bible, turned to the right place, and that was my first experience in a church setting. I couldn't wait to get out of there, but I went back the next week, and I went back for four solid months, and didn't meet anybody, didn't know anybody, but I went there because that's what I thought you did. And I got distracted and (laughs) quit going after four months. About seven months later, the Holy Spirit kind of reminded me that church is important. I think I read something, I believe it was in Hebrews, that said, don't forsake meeting together or some are in the habit of doing. And I thought, I'm not meeting. Uh, So I went back. And the service went the same way it had before. But the end of the service, something new happened. The service ended and I looked up and there was this person walking over towards me and I knew of them. This person's name was Ron. And Ron, he was older than me. He, and when I was a freshman, he was a senior. And my first year in high school, he uh, was on the varsity football team. That was the year that varsity won state. And and I was, on the, I was a bench warmer on the, junior varsity team and that's about as much as I knew about Ron but he came over to me and he said hi and then he we just started talking and he said would you like to go out for coffee and so I went out to coffee with him and we just talked about everything it was absolutely amazing he, we we brought, brought each other up, what, the, what we like about uh, life in general. I mean, I learned things about Ron. Let's see if I can remember. I, I know that musically he liked uh, Chicago, Blood, Sweat, and Tears. And I know that it, he liked uh, Barbara Streisand. He loved to water ski. He loved to snow ski. He, he, he just loved a lot of things. And I learned all those things, and they were great. And he learned things about me. But one of the things that was interesting about Ron is he would bring the conversation back to Jesus. He'd ask me, you know, what are you learning about Jesus? And, and I'd tell him, and, and there were certain questions that, man, the scriptures were still not quite getting it with me. And, and, and I'd ask him questions. I had a lot of misperceived ideas about Christianity. And Ron slowly worked with me. And we met regularly, not, not like weekly, but often over the next year. And it was just amazing to see the things that I learned from Ron. And then Ron told me that he was going uh, going to transfer colleges and he was going to go uh, to a Christian college and learn about youth ministry. And all of a sudden, a seed was planted. And when Ron would come back from on the weekends from school, we'd meet and we'd talk, and I heard more and more about youth ministry. And as I continued to grow in my faith, and as I continued to... Learn about youth ministry. A seed had been planted, and I did 30 years of youth ministry. What I didn't realize though then is that what was happening is I was being discipled. Somebody had come alongside of me and decided to pour their life into me, teaching me spiritual things, not just about the fun things, the water ski and all that, although that's fun, but about the Bible. Bringing the Bible into discussion, not opinions, and that was amazing to me. I took a class when I went to to Bible school, and I had a professor who eventually went on, or he was a teacher, and he eventually went on to write a book on discipleship. And here's his definition of discipleship: Disciples discipling others is a process by with a Christian, which a Christian with a life worth emulating commits himself for an extended period of time to a few individuals who have been one to Christ. The purpose being to aid and guide their growth to maturity and equip them to re- reproduce themselves in a third spiritual generation. I heard that for the first time and a life worth emulating. In fact, I, I believe in the main, the original manuscript that he wrote a life worth living something along those lines and I thought that is so arrogant and as he explained it no 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 as you have learned things about Jesus as you have matured in those you can imitate though or you you are to imitate those things in the life of another person in fact Paul wrote in uh, first Corinthians chapter 11 verse 1 Imitate me as I imitate Christ. Be an example of me as I am an example of Christ. Whoa, those are heavy words. The things that you are learning, we are to l- not only hear them, listen to them, but practice them, grow in them, and then teach them to other people. We have a lot of conversations in our world oftentimes we leave Jesus completely out of them. And we share our opinion, but we don't share from God's truth. And discipleship is moving it back to, what, what does God have to say about this? What do the scriptures say about this? As I was reading scripture, I came across a verse that kind of explained it really simply. It's found in 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 2, where Paul says to Timothy, "...and the things that you've heard me say..." In the presence of many witnesses, entrust to reliable people who will be qualified to teach others. Paul poured his life, his, his understanding of God, into Timothy in hopes that Timothy would pass that on. Well, who is Paul? Who is Paul? Well, in his own words, Paul wrote this. Brothers and fathers, listen now to my defense. When they heard him speak in, to them in Arabic, they, were, they quickly were quiet. Then Paul said, I am a Jew born in Tarsus of Sicilia, but what brought, what brought, was brought up in this city. I studied under Gamil, and I was thoroughly trained in the law of our ancestors. He was thoroughly trained in the scriptures, the Torah. I was just as zealous for God as any of you are today. I persecuted the followers of the way to their death, arresting both men and women and throwing them into prison as a high priest in the council can truly testify, can themselves testify. I even obtained letters from them, uh, from their associates uh, in Damascus, and there to bring them here, to bring these people as prisoners to Jerusalem to be punished. Another, And that's in Acts chapter 22. Another place, it's like, He's trying to talk against being so puffed up and proud about your accomplishments, And he's like, you want to play that game? I'll play it too. It goes something like this. If you were so confident in what you've accomplished. In Philippians, it says, though I myself have reasons for such confidence. If anyone thinks they have reasons to put confidence in the flesh, I have more. Circumcised on the eighth day of the people of Israel, the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew of Hebrews, in regard to the law, a, a Pharisee. As for zeal, persecuting the church. As for righteousness, based on the law, faultless. Whoa! You want to judge on that? Okay, I can do that. But that's not what you judge on. The whole idea is what, who is Jesus and what has he done in your life? And he would rather talk about that than anything that he had accomplished before. Uh, yes, Paul was born a, a a Jew. Yes, he was a Roman citizen. Yes, he was taught under an amazing teacher. Yes, he had zeal. He was driven. He fought for what he believed. Yes, type A personality. Get it done. I'll do it. And one day when he was on his way to Damascus, one day to arrest people, he had his own encounter with Jesus Christ. And he writes about that, and it says in Acts 22, "'About noon, as I came near Damascus, "'suddenly a bright light from the heaven "'flashed about around me. "'I fell to the ground, and I heard a voice say to me, "'Saul, Saul, why do you persecute me?' "'Who are you, Lord?' I asked. "'I am Jesus of Nazareth, whom you are persecuting,' "'he replied. "'My companions saw the light, "'but they did not understand the voice "'of him who was speaking to me. "'What shall I do, Lord?' I asked. Get up, the Lord said. Go to Damascus, and there you will be told all that you have been assigned to do. At that point in time, Paul had an encounter with Christ, and he came to faith in Jesus Christ. God used him to do many things. uh, Write books in the New Testament, uh, start churches, uh, help people, encourage people, counsel people. He was used in an amazing way. But It all started when he came to Jesus Christ. So who's Timothy? First mentioned in Acts 16 on Paul's second missionary journey. It talks about Paul and Timothy talking to each other. Most people believe that it was Acts 14 during Paul's first missionary journey that Paul met Timothy Timothy was a person who, he was raised by his mother uh, and grandmother, and, and they were uh, Jewish in their belief system, and, and also uh, they, had become, they became believers. His father, don't know much about him, it just says that he was Greek. Timothy was a person who he was willing to learn. He uh, was very respectful. Uh, he was often considered very timid, like he, he didn't like conflict. And he meets Paul. And again, we think in Acts 14, but in Acts 16, we know that at that second time when Paul came to check on the family, we we know that Timothy, his reputation in Lystra, the community he lived in, was one within the church, among the other believers, one of growth and encouragement. And and Paul was listening to this. And Paul even invited him to come along, uh, continue with him on his second journey. And I just imagine the conversations they must have had. I mean, think about it. Paul was, was a teacher and he, he loved to talk about Jesus. He loved to talk about spiritual things. And Timothy's traveling with him and he's seeing God work in various places. And Paul's giving explanation maybe at night when everything was over. And this just had to be an amazing time of learning as Paul continued to pour his life into Timothy. We know some of the things that Paul talked to Timothy about either on when they traveled or later in life by looking at the two letters that Timothy was written to or that Paul wrote Timothy. Those letters included first, what we call First Timothy chapter 1 and some of the topics they discussed were things like God's grace and his mercy and forgiveness and hope in Jesus and, and, and not to get caught up in the opinions of man or false doctrines of belief. But to look to the scriptures, devote yourself to the scriptures, we're told in, in 1 Timi- Timothy. Uh, they talked about how to, to run a church. They talked about how to treat uh, elderly people. They ta- uh, some of the topics in 1 Timothy include things like handling money and, and uh, respecting uh, elders as far as leadership and what to do and, uh, when you don't agree with an elder. And, and I remember as a young Christian, especially in my early days of being a, a, a youth director, thinking that I, I hate to say this, but thinking I know more than the leaders. There was an arrogance that I had as I was working with kids. You know, it, it seemed to me that adults cared more about the color of the carpet and, and the parking lot than the size of the parking lot, then really seeing kids saved. That is so arrogant of me. And one of the beauties is going back to Ron and me is Ron kind of called me on it. And, and Paul sometimes called Timothy on things and it was great. This relationship that they had with each other, Paul encouraged him to continue to pursue righteousness, godliness, faith, endurance, and gentleness. Now again, the gentleness is an interesting one because Timothy was known as being somewhat timid, and I think he was very gentle anyway in the way he responded to people because maybe there was an, a little bit of inferiority, and and Paul was saying, no, no. If it's true, you need to protect that truth by speaking it out loud. All these things Timothy needed to learn. When I think back of many of the things that Ron and I talked about, They included some of those topics. Ron and I also talked about, uh, I believe he got married at 27, I got married at 28. We spent time talking about how to to treat women from scripture, not from what the world said. And that was an amazing thing that that I needed to hear. And, And we encourage each other to walk in Christ in purity. And that was an amazing thing to hear. You see, Ron discipled me in similar ways to the way Paul discipled Timothy. Now, there were amazing benefits because of this, the relationship between Paul and Timothy, similar to between me and Ron, or Ron and me. Some of those benefits of discipleship include things like, to the the discipler, being obedient to Christ, that feeling of I'm doing what God has called me to do. What does the Great Commission say that we're to go into the uh, different countries, other parts of the world, baptizing people, making disciples? We are to train. And the whole idea of discipleship is to take a, a somebody to, who doesn't know a lot and move them to where they know more and are practicing more. So you're doing exactly what God has asked us to do. There's something about watching somebody own their own faith. That's another benefit. What a joy. What a joy to hand somebody this truth here and to see them own it and believe it and practice it. And who knows, they might even be able to go farther with that truth than you were able to. There are people that I've been able to talk to in youth ministry and and encourage in Christ, and, and they have gone on to do greater things than I have for the kingdom. What an amazing thing, not taking credit for it, but to be known that God used you to do such a thing. Paul's ministry skills were developed and used as he strengthened Timothy. That's another benefit. He gained a very, very close friend. Benefits to Timothy included things like he learned spiritual truth at a faster pace with greater consistency. A faster pace with greater consistency. That is huge. He had someone to go to when he had questions, problems, concerns, and with his insecurities. Someone who would always take him back to the scriptures. That is an amazing thing. And he had a close friend and confidant. That is an amazing thing. Someone who believes the best in you because of what Christ is doing in you. Someone will, will encourage you to keep going. By the way, that's pretty much a lot of what second Timothy was about. Paul was concerned that, uh, he was in his last prison situation and he didn't think he'd get out and he wrote this letter just challenging Timothy to keep going, keep going, keep going. He knew he wouldn't be there too long keep going. The benefits of somebody pouring their life into you are huge. For you as well as them. So my question to you tonight, today, is this. When you look at your own life, have you ever had a Paul? Who is your Paul? Who is someone who really has taken an interest in your spiritual growth and has encouraged you and you have learned from as you watch them grow? You have learned from them. Who is it? If you know who it is, fantastic. Thank God for that person. That person is available. Write them and say, thank you. You meant this to me. God used you in this way in my life. Or, who is your Timothy? Who is someone that you can pour into? Who is someone who you can take the truths that you know, the truths that you have practiced, and you can pour into somebody else you see I want to learn from you I want to grow and you can help me and I believe as scripture if scripture is true and it is I can help you as we go ahead and practice this principle of really talking about scripture with each other not giving our opinions unless we can prove that in scripture. Our world needs this. Our church needs it. I think it'd be an amazing thing if in this next year, you could ask God, if if you think you need a, a Paul, ask God to provide you one. And ask God, if you need a Timothy, to bring someone into your world who can build you up By the way, I just want to make one more uh, statement. And and we're talking about some of the heavier things in in Scripture. Um, I believe very much that a new Christian can encourage people just by telling of your spiritual journey, how you came to Christ, how you had an encounter with Christ. We love hearing Christ stories, uh, stories in which a person came to Christ because they came to a point that they believed what Christ said. This is about Christ. Who is your Paul? Who is your Timothy? What do you need? Ask God those things. Thank you so much. I hope you have a great day.